Welcome back, my friends, to another edition of the Six Overtimes podcast. I'm Chaz Wagner here in New York. Joining me in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, is Scott Wildermuth. What's up? Hey, man. Uh, it's good to, good to be back on the on the radio with you here. Um, I'm really excited for our special guest for today. Yep, we're back in the saddle, and as Scott is referring to, big moment here. Big, big moment. Monumental. Uh, life changing and, and the biggest of moments. Podcast changing it 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 shapes podcasts and takes them to the next level. Bringing on our buddy Anthony Calabra. He has an NBA blog out there, blog ninety four fifty. Talks a lot of NBA hoops, and you're probably thinking, how the heck does this have to do with with Big East basketball and the six overtimes content? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I'm wondering the same thing. I don't even know why we why we're bringing the kid on now, now that I think about it a second time. No. Um, he, he's going to talk about what, uh, what players in the big East, most notably Andre Drummond, what his prospects are for, for the NBA and at the next level, because as we all know, this guy will not be, uh, around for all four years. Yeah. It's the, uh, comprehensive Andre Drummond interview with, uh, Anthony Calabro. It's, uh, it's very exciting and, and we'll get to it uh, a little bit later. We'll but get for right it. now, enough enough build up about it. Let's get into what we need to talk about. Only a few games on the docket for you. On Monday night, we had Rutgers take down. They actually won, Scott, for a change. Boom. Boom. Boom, boom, boom. They beat uh, a very bad Monmouth team on Monday night at the rack. <laughs> and then last night, Scott himself, in the flesh, went down to the Wells Fargo Center and saw a Villanova team take down the Boston Terriers um, last yeah, night. Yeah, it was it was pretty fun to go down there, and I hadn't been to the Wells Fargo Center since, you know, 2003 or so when I went to go see a Sixers game, but the place is really nice, and it was, you know, the fans got really excited when Villanova played so well in the second half, and... Um, Villanova ended up winning 68-43 over a Boston Terriers team that is sort of sneaky good. Um, they have this guy, what's his name here, Daryl Parton, who is the, um, you know, one of the top ten scorers in the nation coming into the game, and you know they shut him down. It was great to see it. It was great to see it, and um, we saw a couple of things from Villanova last night, and. The biggest takeaway for me for me was when they make jump shots, they can be scary good. Yeah, I mean, great great to see that defense. I didn't I since you brought it up yesterday when you were heading down to the game, I didn't know this this guy was that good at scoring. And who who was the main guy that that really shut him down, or was it a combination of Jay Wright was throwing a bunch of those athletic guards on on him? Yeah, I think it was mostly just they uh, played good team defense. And we yeah. saw that when they played against Missouri, where if they matched up pretty decently when they faced a guard-oriented team, and that's sort of what Boston University was. Um, and they just they just took him down and, and group defense. And this guy, Parton, just disappeared for minutes at a time. And I think he only finished with six points. Yeah, that's that's really You want him to disappear. Now, that, that first half, it, look, it appeared that everyone disappeared, including the Villanova players. I mean, just a sloppy, sloppy half, Scott. I want to say that they Villanova missed the last 
uh, was it like the last 16 or 17 shots of the half? It, it was it was some hideous numbers out there. Yeah, it felt like they didn't make a jump shot the entire first half. They were down by three at uh, at the end of 20 minutes, and it, I, this is something that I keep saying, and I feel like I'm just repeating myself every time that I say it, but... I don't. Why do they go away from Yaru? I mean, he's he's a guy who can sort of calm down their defense, but instead they just settle into this one versus five type mm-hmm. offense where a guard stares down his yeah. uh, immediate defender and then he just jacks up a shot. Yeah, it's Jay Wright's four guard offense. He's he's used to that, and it always it always seems like. Yaru, not always seems like it. It is the case. Yaru has very good first halves. Am, am I right in that? In that statement, yeah. He's, yep. He starts out great, and you're like, this guy's gonna have 25 and 15 tonight, or 28 and 12 numbers that Yancey Gates and all these other guys should be putting up, and they repeatedly don't do it. And then the second half, as you're saying, when it's crunch time and you wanna you wanna get it down low, they go away from it. Yeah, especially when they have trouble scoring the basketball. I mean, they only yeah. scored 23 in the first half. Why not try to feed through the big guy? Mm-hmm. It's not happening. Well, what? And then another thing that, that we took from this game, what do you think of Jay Wright switching up the starting lineup? And what I mean by that is Dom Cheek went to the bench for this game. Ty Johnson came in, and I believe he started over Cheek. And then we had uh, Yakabu. Um, uh, a trough, a, a trough that is so off, and it's so <laughs> botched of a name. But uh, he start this this other freshman is starting over Hilliard, Darren Hilliard, and James Bell. So, what'd you think of that chemistry and in, in starting that, that starting five that he had out there? It seemed to work for him. Um, you know, it seemed like Cheek got a little bit fired up. He he was only able to take ten shots, which. You know, in 21 minutes, that's really not something that we're used to seeing from him. And I think it allowed him to be a little bit more controlled, but be a spark off the bench a little bit more. And I have a feeling they did the Yakabu move just because they wanted to make sure that they were bigger than Boston U. So um, I I don't see this as a long-term fit, but I definitely can see the merits to it when you get some major contribution from bench points. I mean, they got, what was it, just quick math here, 34 points off their bench. Yeah, that's pretty strong. And when you're playing lesser opponents, smaller opponents, I mean, why not take advantage of your, your Big East strength and, and size? Exactly, exactly. And, uh, you know, I think I think we've beaten that game to death, but it was a good, good Villanova win, and... Uh, Good to see them take down a uh, a sort of stingy Boston team. Yeah, they uh, they held with them and and uh, kept them in the in the first half. The other game that we want to talk about for Monday night, Rutgers finally won a game again. They after a bad loss to Princeton and and really gave the game away against LSU. Scott, they beat Monmouth eighty one to sixty six. And I'd like to preface before, you know, they got the win, but Scott and I were looking at Monmouth's numbers and who they've played this year, and they've gotten blown out by, they've lost by 36 to Villanova, they've lost by 45 to Virginia Tech, 
They've lost by 32 to George Mason, lost by like 30 to Albany. So go, going into this, not a very good Monmouth team. But what happened in this game, they got the win, and my boy Dane Miller finally <laughs> came to play. <laughs> and it wasn't as much, Scott, it wasn't as much on the scoring end. This guy contributed in so many different ways. And, I mean, you talk about uh, he only had a double-double, but he had 13 points. Only. But, like, 13 points and 11 boards, but then he had seven blocks. And this guy's a wingman. He's not a he's not an Andre Drummond or a Fab Mello by any means. I don't know his actual height. But seven blocks is absurd. He actually passed the 100-block mark, which is pretty good for a, a wingman and, and, and small forward. He had four steals, threw in three assists. So, all around, this guy was helping out and making positive contributions everywhere on the floor. Yeah, I mean, Dane Miller, who is a guy that you've really been hard on for the, uh, he, uh, he's, he's been someone who really hasn't contributed that much this season, and it was really nice to see him go nuts as far as the seven blocks is really impressive, but, I mean, let's not, let's not overlook those 11 rebounds. Yeah, he's had some good rebounding games this year. I want to say this is his fourth game. Don't quote me. His fourth game, and he said a double-digit rebound. So the guy can hit the glass. Mike Rice is still telling him, even at 13 points, still suggesting and really encouraging him to take more shots. He's taking half the shots that he took last year. That you know that isn't going away. He's he's timid and tentative to shoot. Um, a guy that is actually shooting the ball basketball and emerging Scott as the go-to scorer is the freshman Eli Carter, the, the the shooting guard for the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Yeah, he's had a really excellent uh, past two games, and it continued here when he dropped in uh, 21 points. And, you know, we've we've said this from the get-go. It's do they have the scoring? Do they have the horses? Are they able to put the ball in the basket? And Eli Carter is proving that he's going to be able to do that. Um, very impressive so far, and I like to see, you know, he's found sort of found his shooting stroke, and I think he's going to be able to get you past these Monmouth games with relative ease if he's going to be able to uh, put the ball in the basket like he has been. Yeah, Eli Carter's finding the ability to put the ball in the basket, Scott. Miles Mack, unfortunately, the other freshman that, that he started off the get-go right away. I mean, he's been starting all these games. He's struggling a lot. Uh, four turnovers, one assist, not even putting up many points. So as as Eli Carter emerges, Miles Mack has not found his groove yet and found his comfort level. The other freshman, Jerome Seegers, is actually playing better than than Miles Mack, who was who everyone was talking about to start the year. But pretty pretty interesting story and, and background about this game. Dane Miller called his ailing grandmother, who's in a nursing home in the Bronx, actually, and he was on the phone with her. Great article by uh, the guys at the New York Star-Ledger about this this little anecdote. Anyways, yeah. he called his grandmother, who's who's 80 years old, in the Bronx. You know, her, her health is, is, is going. She, and, and she just said, go out there, have fun, enjoy it. You know, think of me when you're out there. Really uplifting, and, you know, he was he – was, he was, tearing up in the locker room and you know he played inspired in this game and, and did it for her so hopefully grandma can 
can call can call Dane Miller before every game to get to give him that boost. Yeah, definitely. And um, he had such a fantastic game that I think that's a decent idea as a, as a plan for for all games going forward. Yeah. So that sort of wraps up our recaps of the past two games. And Scott, pretty uh, pretty big news and pretty big event for uh, the six overtimes team right now. The biggest of all time. Big biggest ever. We've got our first guest coming on the show. Yeah, we do. Yes, absolutely. And that guest, we want to welcome on Anthony Calabro. And he is here today to talk NBA draft prospects of current Big East players out there. And what better guy to talk about is Andre Drummond. So let's welcome on Anthony Calabro. What's up, man? Hi, how you doing? Welcome to the program. Ah, it's great to be here. Great to be here. Yeah, man. I can't believe I'm your first guest. We got a, I mean, you're Scott's boy. So you are an NBA draft expert, I hear. Ah, the expert. And, and even a bigger expert on Andre Drummond. So let's, let's start talking about him. I mean, everyone very hyped up coming into UConn. Uh, probably the biggest recruit even for Jim Calhoun in years, which is, which is saying a lot. So tell us, you know, we, we've talked about how he's, you know, playing this year and every game and we recap it and review it and everything like that. But, Tell us about his NBA uh, future potential for uh, the future. Sure. I mean, I mean, he's 18. He's 6'11", 6'10", 6'11". He's 275. I mean, right there. I mean, huge ceiling. He, he's pretty much a monster. And then, you know, he hasn't even really hit the weight room yet. He's just learning, really. So, um, and plus he's coachable. I was just reading uh, an article from the Hartford Current. And um, Calhoun is just begging him to be more aggressive, more aggressive, and he's going out and doing it. And you could see it in his last game, um, in the last game against Harvard. You know, he was just rocking the rim, and you know that that's the potential right there. You can just see it. Yeah, he had a monster game against the Crimson. Uh, I think he he went six of seven from the field and had five dunks. I mean, he just plays above the rim like uh, an NBA skill talent type guy that you want to see. Oh, and he's so raw too because, and he's focused on the defensive end. And you know, he has blocks. You know, he's you know he's blocking shots. He had seven blocks in one game. So you know, the defense is there already, and it's just a matter of time. You know, you give this guy. I mean, I think already he can play in the NBA. Uh, he's definitely a one-and-done guy. And, uh, you know, the NBA prospects there. You're saying no chance that he comes back for uh, a second year, another campaign. So, you know, say UConn comes up uh, short in the Final Four or something like that. He He's not a guy that would come back and, and try and win a title. You know, he is a team guy. Uh, I was listening to a few interviews, and he is all team. But, okay. you know, he already has. You know, they were asking him. Uh, before, you know, he even signing with UConn about, like, entering the NBA and stuff. So, it's, you know, I think it's already in his head. I don't see this being a Jared Selinger situation. I think no. that's sort of what you were referring to, right, Chaz? Oh, yeah, because he's got, you know, Selinger's a good Selinger's a good college player, but most basketball people know that he's, he's going to be a role guy in the NBA. But you can see... I think we want to talk about this, Anthony, is you can build a franchise around Drummond. I mean, there's there's so few good big men in the NBA anymore, and the teams that do get good big men, like a Dwight Howard, I mean, he, he can be the pillar of uh, a franchise for, for years to come. 
Oh, yeah, you can anchor your defense around uh, Andre Drummond for the next 10 years. He has that ability. And, um, you know, you can see it. You can see he can become the Dwight Howard. You know, he wears 12. That's his boy. Mm-hmm. Dwight Howard's his boy. Or you can, you know, maybe he gets a consistent jump shot along the way. He'll be a little Amari Stoudemire type where you can stretch him out to 17, 18 feet bring the defense in and then he'll just blow by you and dunk in front of everybody. So he better not have those. He better not have the knees of Amari Stoudemire. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you never know with those guys. That's the thing about, you know, and he's only 18. He could still be growing. Yeah. That's, um, yeah, that's silly. Six eleven. Yeah. So you, if the knees hold up, it's going to be scary. Now I saw the, that his uh, nickname is man child. Do you think that's uh that's a pretty good one? Pretty appropriate, I would say. Yeah, I would agree with Manchild. <laughs> and I, I, from what I've seen out of Andre Drummond, it seems like he just constantly plays above the rim, and it's that 17, 18-foot jump shot that he sort of needs to develop. Uh, do you see that happening? Do you think that's something that, that he will get as this uh, as his career goes on? I think so. I mean, I, I compared him to – like uh, a Amari Stoudemire type where when coming out of high school, Amari Stoudemire was not known as a jump shooter. And, you know, he adapted his game to the NBA level where, you know, you have to either he develops a low post game or stretches it out um, either or, you know, maybe he goes to Hakeem Olajuwon like Dwight Howard did and just go to the low post school and just develops moves left and right. But, you know, right now he's raw. So I think, you know, you can coach them. You can coach them to what's best for your team. And I think that's the best thing about him is that you can mold him the way you want to mold him. And, you know, at 18, you know, the sky's the limit. So. Do you think he does the Rip Hamilton look where he continues to wear the the face guard and the nose guard after after breaking the nose? Is that going to be is that going to be one of his signature? Is he going to get sponsored by a Nose protector company is that going to be his first uh, first brand that signs him? You know, I don't know about that because in that heart, in that heart for current uh, article, I read that he was just so excited to to take that off. <laughs> That's so uh, that looks miserable. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. You know, if he plays the Bearcats, he might need to wear it just in case. That in a helmet. <laughs> Taking a shot at Yancey Gates. I knew. <laughs> there, I, there I knew we'd get that one in there. <laughs> hey, so where do where do you see him going? Is he a top of the lottery type guy? And what uh, what what NBA teams do you think could really specifically use him? I mean, clearly every NBA team needs an Andre Drummond type player. But where um, do you think course. he ends up next year? Of course, but yeah. Uh, you know, I think he's definitely a lottery pick, easy lottery selection. Um, top five, you know, just looking at the teams right now, you know, it's fluid right now in the NBA with free agency, you know, trades, you know, speaking of Dwight Howard, um, you know, you know, he's on, he will probably be on the move. CP3 might be on the move. So um, just looking at it is right now, um, you know, the Cavs, they're just awful. Um, they look <laughs> so, um, you know, he, I hope, he enjoys Cleveland, Ohio, because I can certainly see him teaming up with Kyrie Irving and uh, Tristan Thompson. Right there, that's your that's a good yeah. young nucleus. They're going to be the Detroit Lions. You know, you you have enough lottery draft picks over time. It's you're bound to get good. It's just it has to happen. 
at some point. Do you think of Oklahoma City just building through the draft, smart signings? Yeah. That, that's, yep. that's the way you have to do it. Um, when you're the when you're Cleveland, you're not enticing anybody to come to Cleveland, so you're gonna have to do it yourself. <laughs> and uh, and an, another team, yeah. you know, just looking uh, looking at Andre Drummond, just seeing how he can run up and down the floor. You on you always think of Golden State. You know, you you don't know if it's gonna remain that way because yep. Mark Jackson's now the head coach there. But um, yeah, you know, when you think of Golden State, you just think of you know running up and down, pointers left and right, and um, you know, and they need a center. So that would be um, that'd be another pick. Uh, they just actually the Warriors just offered DeAndre Jordan um, like four years, fifty million yeah, or something like that, that from the Clippers. But uh, you know, but the Clippers were gonna match. The Clippers match. They're still looking for. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I think they matched. So if they match, then you know they went after Tyson Chandler, didn't get him. So they're obviously looking for centers, and if you know. I don't know whether they'll have to be. I don't know whether they'll be in the lottery, but maybe they can, you know, trade up or something like that. So they would be another fit. And just thinking out loud right now, um, Charlotte, the Bobcats, with uh, I know they drafted Kemba Walker, UConn guy. So I think oh, they're looking for a connection. Yeah, the, the UConn mm-hmm. connection would exist go. in Charlotte because um, they're. You know, I don't think they're going to be a good team. But the only thing about Charlotte is, you know, they might have Andre Drummond there and Michael Jordan will just pick some random white guy like Adam Wood. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's a, I guess Michael Jordan's become uh, the shoot. Who's the guy from Detroit that was the GM? Matt Millen. Yeah, yeah he is. The Matt Millen. How to watch lottery picks. By Michael Jordan and Matt Millen. Well, yeah, as as much as as much as we want all these Big East guys to play forever and play in the Big East as as long as we want, and well, now that the Big East is crumbling, we don't know how much there'll be of it. But that's why we bring on people like Anthony to talk about uh, life, you know, post Big East hoops careers for these guys. And today was Andre Drummond. We're definitely going to have Anthony back on. Great first uh, first session with. Uh, Mr. Calabra, and where can we find you out on the uh, interwebs? Yeah, um, you can find me on blog9450.wordpress.com. And I just have a blog there and just blog about the NBA. Um, Right now it's great because, you know, there's so much going on. So there's always something to write about. Yeah, definitely. And you got got, got a Twitter handle, right? Where are you sending out all your tweets? Yeah, I'm at at 9450blog. And that's my Twitter. So. Excellent. So a new Twitter design. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. So blow him up on uh, on his WordPress site and on his Twitter account, and uh, let's talk some NBA as as well as some Big East hoops going forward. Anthony, thanks again, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity, and uh, I can't wait to do it again. Great stuff from Anthony. We got to move on, Scott, for the players of the night. And my guy has to be Dane Miller. I've, I've I've given him some harsh criticism throughout the year, rightfully so. But when the guy comes to play, as he did against Monmouth, even though it's a, a lesser opponent, he contributed all the way around. And maybe Scott, he's not going to put up ridiculous scoring numbers if he can. 
put up all these other um, secondary and other ways to contribute and, and be a positive influence on the court, whether it be swatting shots, crashing the glass, stealing the basketball, I'm fine with that as long as he just he, – he's a talented player. I mean, every article you read, it's like this dude has the most talent on the team. And for him to come and really see that in the stat line, that uh, that's worthy of my player of the night. Oh, it's worthy now, huh? It's it's worthy. So who's who's your boy for the um, I'm going with Dom Cheek, who had 14 points off the bench. He went five of ten shooting. I think he just heard what Jay Wright was trying to tell him, and basically it's don't screw up, don't don't mess around when you're in the starting lineup, and it's sort of a motivational tactic. And I think he responded well to that. I thought you were gonna go. I thought you were gonna do a play on the Jimmy V speech. Don't screw up. Don't ever screw up. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that's where you were going with it. That would have been pretty good. <laughs> um, unfortunately, I, I, I'm not that smart. <laughs> and, um, You're witty, but not. Well, you'll get there. You'll I will. Get there. I will. I'll yeah. work on it. Um, yeah, so Dom Chi gets my championship belt from the six overtimes today. Um, and we got a couple of games tonight that I, we want to take a brief look at. Um we got Cincinnati visiting Wright State at 7 o'clock on ESPN2. That, of course, is the first game since the big brawl with Yancey Gates. They're on that big punch. Uh, they're going to be without Gates and Mabuje and and Ellis. Uh, Ellis doesn't really play too much, but the other two guys, it's going to be a big, big problem for them. Yeah, I saw the press conference. I don't know if you or I saw a transcript of it. I saw Yancey Gates. I thought saw the video of him apologizing, and I actually read the most of the transcript of what was said. And I thought it was it was pretty good. They what I liked about it. One thing was it wasn't scripted. It wasn't a prepared speech. Um, yeah, the, I don't know if you want to say it was heartfelt, but at least it wasn't scripted and, and their PR person didn't, didn't write the speeches for them. Um, there were some things that the AD, something that we were talking about on, on Monday, Scott, was how did they arrive at the six games? And you said they're trying to go off precedent. Mm-hmm. You know, they're trying to use things that had happened in the past and, and, and take that playbook and try and apply it here. But what the AD talked about a lot was there really wasn't a precedent and there really wasn't a roadmap for roadmap to aid them in this decision. But they talked a bit. I mean, it, they, it was really they did a lot of due diligence and talked to Big East officials and other conferences and all, you know, all these, bo- you know, talked to as many voices as they could and to arrive at this, this decision. So with that you know, with with very little time to make that decision because they wanted a, a quick decision, I thought they they reached out to a lot of people out there to 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 do good work on it. Yeah, I mean, it seems like Cincinnati's doing the right thing, and uh, I, I've I've been very happy to see what they've done so far. And to go off a, a little bit more on your speech, and not for too much longer, but um, you know, I heard Yancey Gates was crying at the press conference, and. Not that you want to see a grown man cry in any situation, but when he's being sincerely apologetic, it's it's something that you look for to make sure that it's a little bit genuine and a little bit authentic. So, you know, I, I tend to believe that he was sorry for what he did 
and uh, that he, that looking back on it, it was a bad move for him to do that, uh, you know, on the court. But, um, you know, I th- yeah, it's it's classic of, I, I totally agree. It's I'm a Steelers fan. Everyone knows that. Our case with Big Ben, he's going to be up apologetic, sincere right after the incident. His word, everything sounds right, and he's he's going to seem really remorseful in the press conference and when he first approached everyone. Same with Yancey Gates. His actions are going to speak louder than his words. It's going to be what happens two months from now, a year from now, and with Big Ben. I mean, the, the jury's still out. We're still tr- he he's repairing his image, but let's not even we're go still there. <laughs> but you know, we're, we're still. It's like you know what? We'll wait and see, man. I mean, you 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 can say all the right things here, and that's that's what you got to take from it. Yeah, I mean, I I, th- I understand where your parallel is, but I, I it's the crimes are completely different that Yancey Gates and. Ben Roethlisberger. Oh, it, they're done. totally different, but they they both made mistakes. Some you know different degrees of mistakes and different ways to look at it. But uh, it's the apology. Everyone looks looks uh, sincere in an apology. I think certainly. And uh, the other two games for tonight are DePaul visiting Northern Illinois, the uh, running back factory producing Garrett Wolf and Michael Turner. And we got South Florida visiting Auburn, who's 4-1 on 9.30 on ESPN3. Um, We don't have anything scheduled for Thursday or Friday night, um, but a nice little 12-game set on Saturday. So for you Big East fans out there, it's going to be sort of a light week while these guys go through finals. And, you know, it's going to be uh, a really good Saturday um, of basketball, though. Yeah, Saturday, out of those games, Memphis, Louisville, Indiana, ND, Syracuse actually playing a road game for once going down to NC State, and then Villanova playing another Philly school in St. Joseph's. So some good ones out there once we get through this light week and and finals week for all the... All the students. Did you? Did I hear a little uh, Northern Illinois? Oh yeah, in there, Scott. I like it. It's 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 not a it's not a silent (laughs) s. Nope. Um, I'm bringing the Illinois, right? A little, little Sufjan C- Stevens for you. Um, yeah, but for my bet tonight, I'm taking uh, Cincinnati minus four against Wright State. I'm basically playing the, uh, you know, the angle of the team coming together after a huge, ridiculous fight. Um, I think that they're going to be able to put themselves up back and and beat it, you know. A whatever a ho hum right state team by a little bit more than four points. So, um, you know, as always, thanks thanks again for uh, stopping by and listening to the Six Overtimes podcast. For my partner Chaz Wagner, I'm Scott Wildermuth. Thanks for checking us out, and make sure to hit us up on Six Overtimes at gmail dot com and on Twitter at Six Overtimes. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Peace. <laughs>